Friends, it was exactly one year ago today, March 14th, with tough conversations with our music people and our worship council leaders, that we made the decision to suspend worship. A difficult decision to stop gathering in this wonderful sacred space because of COVID-19. We thought it might be for a month or two months at the most. And here we are, at the one-year mark, still separated from one another, isolated and apart in, in this unusual season of striving to worship and serve as a church family during a pandemic. We do hope that the end is in sight as, as vaccines get distributed, as the virus sort of subsides and a return to this sacred space and life together is on the horizon. It's still a bit early to predict when that might happen, but you can be assured that we continue to talk about this sincerely and with anticipation almost every chance we get, giving serious attention and planning to a return to in-person worship. In the face of this year's extreme challenges and adjustments, unusual circumstances, and this pandemic, here's what we really need to be asking and assessing as God's people. What is God actually expecting from us as a church family as we emerge from COVID-19? How does the church our worship, our work. How does it look differently coming out of this year of challenge? What gets our top priority as God's people? As we come back together, what deserves our foremost attention? And what do we let go of? Following this year of the pandemic, are there elements of church life that God might be pruning and Purging? What changes do we claim and live into in this new season? And what must we do differently going forward? Because God is using this time and these challenges, like God is always doing, to refresh and reform and reshape and renew us as God's people. Important questions for all of us. As we mark one year of COVID life, we also have an important and familiar passage today. It comes from John chapter 3. This is what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive the testimony. If I told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses has lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send 
the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Early in my ministry, I had the privilege of some deep connections to the Presbyterian Church in Ghana, West Africa. The Presbyterian Church is very much alive in Ghana. Lots of vitality and lots of easy opportunities for partnerships for Presbyterians. There is a Ghanaian term, Sankofa, which translates in English as to reach back and get it. The term is often associated with the African proverb, it's not wrong to go back for that which you have forgotten. Here's the idea. Sometimes in order to move forward toward a better place, toward a more righteous action, we have to look back. For example, after a year of COVID, we have to ask, what is God up to? We have to look back and ascertain what is God maybe trying to tell us so clearly and forcefully. Or there are other examples. We visit historic sites as as in the civil rights movement in order to move forward toward more healing and more wholeness. Or we do a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage so well planned for Holy Week through the city visiting certain sites in hopes of reconciling our past and moving toward a more wholesome future. John 3, on this one-year anniversary of COVID life, gives us a chance to look back at the essence of the gospel and hopefully get it, find assurance, find possibility for our lives in these particular days and especially as we move forward. This little passage starts out with Jesus seemingly frustrated with the people around him. He's just had a long and pretty circular conversation with a man named Nicodemus, a religious man, a teacher of Israel who cannot seem to understand the basic things that Jesus is saying. So Jesus responds, What we know, we talk about, and what we have seen, we give testimony. But the big problem is, you folks don't accept our testimony. Remember, Jesus came to bring life, life in abundance, it says in John's gospel. Jesus came to help people entrust their lives to God, to love God and love others. But the people so often like us, hard-hearted, hard-headed. Jesus even says, I have told you earthly things and you're not believing those. How in the world will you ever believe if I tell you heavenly things? The heavenly things that Jesus keeps talking about all through the Gospel of John, the heavenly thing is how life, real lasting life, deep and full life, not just eternal life, but deep and full life is bound up in Jesus. Jesus. 
In him was life. And the life was the light of the world. It says in John 1. And in this passage, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is a reference to a story in the book of Numbers. When you gaze upon Moses lifting up this serpent on the stick, you know that God prevails over evil in the world. Likewise, Jesus says, when you gaze upon the Son of Man lifted up, you know where life full life abundant life light you know where it comes from in him is life deep full lasting abiding life jesus then we get this very familiar verse the verse that maybe we all learned and then maybe we can even recite it for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. One full and challenging year of COVID, so many limitations and frustrations, so much isolation, so much desperation, we seek to look back and get it. Get it. This is how the Bible scholar, theologian Dale Bruner talks about this great and familiar verse. It's wonderful. Think about this. Bruner says, God, the greatest subject ever. So much, the greatest extent ever. Loved, the greatest affection ever. The world, the greatest object ever, that he gave his only son, the greatest gift ever, so that every single individual, whoever, the greatest opportunity ever, who entrusts self to God, the greatest commitment ever, would never be destroyed or perish the greatest rescue ever, but would have deep and abiding life, the greatest promise ever. It's all about God and what God is doing in Jesus. Here's an invitation to us. Here's an opportunity for us, especially one year into COVID, in a place we would never thought we would have been separated and isolated and still keeping on we're simply invited to look back and get it look back and entrust our lives to God's abiding care entrust our lives to the care and compassion we see in Jesus and then we find life deep and abiding and lasting life not just eternal life but wholesome life life full now life hopeful life possible life real and big and full of love now all enfolded in God's abiding presence and care and purposes in 
Jesus. It's easy to feel like we have it all mixed up and we're quite overwhelmed and burdened. So many frustrations, so many uncertainties, so many questions about when and how, so many worries about our loved ones, about people we know and care about down the street, so many divisions, so many threats, so many things to worry about. But we look back and get it. God is among us. God gives us the gift of life. God offers us Jesus, the greatest gift ever. We entrust our lives and we seek to live in the way of Jesus toward kindness, toward the kingdom of God, toward Jesus, toward justice. We find full and abiding life. We find wholeness and hope now and forever. In September 1954, a young Martin Luther King Jr. moved from his graduate studies at Boston University to Montgomery, Alabama to be the new pastor at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. As we all know, this was not just a call from graduate work to the pastorate. It was going to be a call also to follow Jesus, follow Jesus into the streets, not just of Birmingham, but of all of Alabama and all the nation. Follow Jesus into the streets for justice and righteousness. Well, the first sermon that King preached at, De at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church was from John 3, 16. And even in that first sermon, you can sense some of the power and the purpose that would eventually lead to the Montgomery bus boycott and so many other king moments that helped to change the world. A world that we're working on, keeping on changing. God has breadth, King said in that first sermon. It's a big love. It's a broad love. God's love is too big to be limited to a particular race. It's too big to be wrapped up in a particularistic movement. It's too great to be encompassed by any single nation. God is a universal God. In that Montgomery church, King pushed out the idea of God's big love. He said this love is so big and so unlimited. It has, quote, been a ray of hope and has given a glimpse of belonging to the hundreds of disinherited people who proclaim, like the enslaved preacher who risked everything to teach his enslaved congregation in the shadows of the plantation, you ain't no slave. You're a child of God. You are a child of God. We have all in these days a renewed cry for God's big love. We all long for a love big enough and vast enough for each one of us and our particular needs, especially as we navigate this pandemic. But even bigger than that, 
we all have a renewed cry for God's love to keep covering us and calling us and redeeming us and redeeming the whole world with all the evils and the selfishness and the injustices. We have a long, desperate cry for a full and rich and lasting life for everyone. That African proverb challenges us. We keep looking back, hoping to get it. Jesus offers life and life in fullness for us and for the whole world. That's the promise and the calling and about God's love. In a tree nursery somewhere, there was a sign which says, the best day to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best day to plant a tree is today. The best time to say yes to God's big love in Jesus was the time you first heard about it. The second best time is today and then tomorrow and then every day going forward, especially when you know that saying yes leads you toward love and saying yes leads you toward God's justice and saying yes leads you to be anti-racist and working in the world to eradicate poverty and saying yes means addressing climate change and standing for peace and a full life for everyone may we open our hearts afresh to God's big love today God so loved the whole world and we are all called to entrust our lives to God's abiding care and justice-oriented purposes and therefore find deep and abiding and lasting life. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To open our hearts, to receive your spirit, to seek to follow Jesus, that's to find life. We seek that way, finding life through Christ our Lord. Amen.